Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right on KPFT. We are going to have a great show for you today. But before we get started, I want to remind you of one thing. Please keep keep KPFT alive. Please remember to go to kpft.org, kpft.org, and click that donate button and keep this station alive. Anyhow, we have a great, great, great program for you today. We are going to start with a short clip uh, with Van Jones and... Uh, Rick Santorum, Van Jones kind of let him have it. Uh, the second piece we're going to have is with Daniel Cohen. Daniel Cohen is the president of Indivisible Houston. He's going to have a lot to say about the election. And likewise, we're going to have former congressman uh, Alan Grayson from Cali. Not Cali. Alan Grayson is from Florida, where he's going to talk about the election and progressives and the issues that we are going through with these new attacks. Anyway, uh, stay tight. Remember, go to kpft.org, support the station. We have a great show for you. Stay tuned. Rick Santorum has been a pundit on CNN for quite some time. He's there trying to hold a part of the right flank that simply makes no sense, that part of the right flank that justifies Donald Trump, that part of the right flank that... If Donald Trump's behavior was actually seen within Barack Obama, this is the same right flank that would be saying he does not uphold the seriousness of the office or the gravitas of the office. Well, you know, today, watch uh, how Van Jones smacked down Rick Santorum. But not only that, he puts it into context where he's saying these are the things that we should be looking at and doing to make sure the country really gets together. Check it out. I will take it on the other side. You're speaking for people who, I hate to say it, are the elites in our culture. Oh, you're please don't say that. When, I, when you talk about the president and how, how tough he is, and how, you're talking to people who, are, who watch CNN, who watch, who watch the news. It's not true. Constantly. People are living their lives. and not really paying attention. That's not true. Yeah, but, but he lost true. by 4 my million point votes. Is, tone is not as important for <laughs> okay. them. Policies that affect their lives. I don't like that, and I, and I think we're going in the wrong direction. The tone mattered to my children. Matters and my children are not elites. The t- the t- listen, this, this was, I, I think the, the big mistake that the Trump administration made for all the good that they did on criminal justice and opportunity zones and other stuff that I was proud of them for is that they failed to understand that, yeah, actions speak louder than words if you're a normal person. But when you're the president of the United States, your words speak louder than your actions. And his words every day made America a nastier place and a more toxic place. And what you're seeing here is this is not just coming for today. The politics of joy... Joy as a weapon. Uh, groups like Sankofa, who cultural groups, were, take, were going to the polls with music. They were going to the polls with entertainment, and they were. And it, this this was a part of the resistance, a beautiful part of the resistance. So I just want to say, I want to say that 
there are a couple of things to get us to unity. Tone is very, very important because when people are just getting smashed upside the head, they can't think clearly. So that's got to go away. And then on the policy part, I think that anti-poverty, I think that criminal justice, mental health, addiction, infrastructure, uh, family leave, there are economic policies that can bring us together. There's going to be some cultural war stuff that pulls us apart. But I think we have a responsibility to put forward those economic ideas and support this president. Put those ideas away and support this president. He's absolutely right. Now, um, Santorum is there trying to hold a part of the right flank that is somehow they know they're wrong, but they continue to push and push and push. You know what's the role of independent media? The role that we have to play? We have to play that role that's going to make those guys like Santorum completely and entirely absolute absolute and you can uh, entirely obsolete (laughs) and you can help us do that so always remember to share without further ado folks you got the gist of where we're program i want to start with daniel cohen though because brother cohen i know he has a lot to say this is my good brother cohen brother cohen how are you doing sir i'm doing fantastic man i've been waiting to say this for a while let's see if i get it right Neither snow, nor rain, nor sleet, nor heat, nor fascism. Nothing stops the mail, my friend. Nothing stops the mail. Hey, your mic is coming in a little bit fumbled, or I don't know if you can kind of give us a... I mean, we can understand you, but it's, it's just not the best sound right now. I don't know if you can reduce the... Keep talking. Let's see if we can get it right. How's this? Do we have it right? Do we have it right? I, it th- it'll do. It'll do. That, that'll do. Nice... <laughs> that that'll do daniel because you know since we have the people listening to you it's fine first of all folks let me tell you i i am supposed to be this political guy who just goes by the numbers and everybody who was talking about the election going by the numbers i would tell them just look at the numbers because the numbers says it all and polls are usually right and even though the polls messed up in the in the cities all around mary ann cadre welcome aboard you know there are a lot of them that were okay now, interestingly, I was doing a six-hour show for KPFT, and Brother Daniel Cohen appeared on the show. And I looked at him and I said, hey, what you think? You know, what you think about what's going on? And this young man simply said, Egberto, chill. Oh, everybody needs to chill. The numbers will come in. This stuff isn't over yet. The truth of the matter, I'll be very honest with everybody. You know I talk about my faults as well as not my faults. I was about to cook it in because I wasn't following my own rules. And when Daniel Cohen said, Egberto, let's just make sure and wait till it's all over, I said, you know what? This young man is right. Daniel, welcome to Politics Unright. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing, I'm doing well, man. You know, there's, there's a lot to learn on the back end of this. But the bottom line is that uh, if you've been fighting against the, the Trump administration during this, this last few years, you should take a moment today uh to show to at least you know pass yourselves on the back and kind of high five everybody else even if it's uh, the person who's going to wind up in the white house is not the person that we picked in primaries um even if the even though we know that there's going to be a whole movement after this and we're definitely going to be uh movement building and, and working against barriers uh for a very long time to come everybody right now um should take a moment and just acknowledge the fact that even rush limbaugh today said that the election is over that they need to con- essentially said look it's it's conceded it's done it's 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 in the books um this is it it's finished 
those ballots are not going to come back as Republican ballots. They're Democratic ballots. And they are flipping and flopping all over the place, trying to justify any way that they can to try to change the narrative to say that this was, was a rigged election. And all of it is 100% crap. It is all crap. I don't care who, which of your audience members listening on YouTube right now is is uh, chuckling out whatever conspiracy theory they picked up off the ground or from Alex Jones or from Q or P or R or S or, <laughs> or whichever other chucklehead they listen to on the internet. You guys are full of crap. Some of you are saying count the votes. Some of you are saying don't count the votes. You got people saying do a redo in Pennsylvania or something like that. You got people out there who are saying that the mail-in ballots were skewed. Listen, if somebody wanted to rig the election, Mitch McConnell would have lost. If somebody wanted to rig the election, Texas would have flipped. If the Democrats had rigged the election, then you wouldn't see the Texas House going to the Republican hands or into, going into the next legislative session. This was a free and fair election for the most part. And anywhere where there was foul play, it worked in favor of the Republicans because you know what? You guys always suppress and intimidate the vote. You, you, you launched a, a nonsense extremist lawsuit right here in Harris County that was so ridiculous that two of the plaintiffs on the lawsuit actually wound up suppressing their own voters, Wendell Champion and Sharon Hemphill. They should be ashamed of themselves. And, and basically did everything he could to kind of scare people away from the polls. They shut down nine out of 10 drive-through polling locations on election day because of a BS ruling from a federal court judge, a hard right partisan judge. And in spite of all of the voter suppression and intimidation and attempts to rig the election in favor of the far right, you lost the White House. You lost, you losers, go home. The American people know it and we all know it too. And we're gonna keep scrapping and you know we're gonna do it and you know we're not going away. So you can listen to Q or whatever other conspiracy theory you come up with about the curing and the magic ink on mail-in ballots or whatever it is. But you told people not to vote on mail-in. You downplayed mail-in and it wound up being Democratic voters. Ha ha. Chokes on you. Game, set, match. Bye. <laughs> Whoa. Man. I, I, that, hey. You spread misinformation for four years. You say all that stuff. I'm sorry. Your narrative deserves to be ridiculed at this point. Y'all need to wake up. And I, I, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it out of tough love. You opened your show talking about who people should be mad at. I'm mad at people who are spreading around conspiracy theories along the lines of the protocols of elders of Zion and pretending that that has no fallout and has no harm. Guess what? It has harm. It has fallout. It blows up on communities across the United States. It's based on nothing. They need to read a book. They need to get back in line. They need to vote more informed because, as you said before, Trump's been conning them for four years. We have socialism for the wealthy, and we have privatized gains for the wealthy, and then they rip it all out of the pockets of the poor. It's a reverse Robin Hood that's been going on for a really long time, and it's based on identity. But fortunately, there's a multi multiracial, multiple identity, working class coalition that's being formed right now that is centered on ideas that's pushing back against that and that coalition is going to win in the long run so they could they should give up the conspiracy theories they should give up all the hucksters that are talking in tongues and give up on any hope of retaining the white house because we're going to drag that loser out of the back of the white house with a cane and leave him in a field in nebraska like he did to his own supporters wow you know that is so you know i mean you're, you you were you said that with a whole lot of passion right but in effect you know the guy got over 30,000 people infected with all these damn rallies as well as 
over 700 dead people because of these rallies. And you know, and that's why, if you notice, I titled the show today, Trump supporters should direct their anger at him for conning them, for conning them into believing that this uh, disease is not as bad as it is, for conning them into believe that he did something to help them. Uh, that little tiny, tiny tax cut that he gave to the masses, he took back with the, with the, with the confounded health care, with the confounded all the other things, while all the money went straight up into his friends' hands. And, and, and the thing about it is you have to find a way to get into our friends on the right's head to let them know this is what was done, not by us, but by him to you. Hey, hey, they seem to be respected people who speak with passion, even if they don't make any sense. Maybe they can respect somebody who speaks with passion who actually makes a little bit. <laughs> I mean, look, guys, he's been conning people. He's been building up a movement that's conning people. Um, it's time for you to come around. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Hey, Daniel, you've got fans. Paul, Pamela Mattox says, Dan Cohen, you rock. Speak it like <laughs> it is. That's how we will be heard. Condemn. And then, uh, you know, so I mean, hey, I'm telling you, you know something? That, the, the good thing about what's going to happen now, right? And, and I, I want to make people aware of something. We're not complete. By the end of all this vote counting, there are going to be 48 uh, Democratic Senate, well, 46 Democratic senators, two independent senators who caucus with Democrats, and 50 uh, Republican senators. That's what we're going to have at the end of this election, unless we are able to flip Alaska. I'm not sure we're going to be successful in doing that. Okay, it'll be it'll be closer than people think, but who knows really one way or the other. I mean, just because uh, you know Alaskans have their own streak, and then there's the the runoffs in Georgia or, or what happens, and there might be other things that kind of unfold. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, look, in terms of the White House, in terms of a referendum on Trump, you're gonna look, be looking at a four million uh, po- four million popular vote margin. You're gonna be looking at an electoral popular vote margin. Biden's probably gonna clear. Th- He's probably going to clear 300 electoral votes. I think I looked at the map. I think somewhere around 313. He's going to do 306. He's going to clear 306. And he's going to clear about in excess of five to six million people over Donald Trump. So when we look at it, it, what drives me crazy is all of those who are complaining about, first of all, the Constitution has an undemocratic aberration in it that you can win by so many votes and still not be you know, in other words, a minority rule in the country. These guys should be happy that nothing broke out during the Trump administration being so bad, being led by the minority. Now, think oh, about yeah. if that happens again and again. Now we have it two consecutive terms that a president is elected by the minority of the country. That is untenable. They should oh, be. Yeah, they, 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 love to, they love to talk about the tyranny of the majority. What about the tyranny of the minority? In other words, known as just tyranny, you know, where a small number of people control the mat, like the, the rules for the large number of people, which is what's been going on in the United States. And there's outsized population in Wyoming. These people would rethink the Electoral College really, really quick if 80,000 Democrats move to Wyoming next year. They would all rethink the Electoral College. Nobody would be in favor of it anymore. Hey. Exactly. They have pulled the wool over people's eyes. Why does D.C. have no representation in Congress? I seem to remember hearing something in history class about taxation without, what was the other word? Representation. Yeah, and we have 
territories all over the United States that don't have any representation in Congress. The only representation they have is the president and the vice president, which is the same representation that everybody in the United States has across the board that is the totality of the nation. But when they need funds, nobody's there to go to Congress. That's why Puerto Rico got left out in the cold. And so, you know, all these folks who are saying, like, who, are, who, are, who are raising a ruckus about taxes, right? It's based on that principle. It's based on the fact money goes out and then you're part of the union and you get all the benefits of the union, including a, a clear and common defense, which obviously Puerto Rico was not apparently in Trump's mind entitled to because a hurricane attacked them and he didn't help. And then he spun it around and spun the news cycle and somehow convinced a large swath of people across the country that he did help because they didn't look at closer at the details. I mean, you got to start looking at this stuff. My well, friend. you know what else? Uh, let me tell you the, the next, first of all, uh, l let's, let's, let's talk about how we're moving forward now. I mean, uh, and this is something that I really want to get your thoughts on. Numero uno, like I, I explained what happens with the senators at the end of the counts and when everything is sort of gone through. After that, we have two senators in Georgia that we must win. I think before, you know, I, I, this is what I said. I decided to support Brother Biden, even as he wasn't the progressive that I wanted, as a stepping stone to what we need to get accomplished for the masses of American citizens, okay? So I think we have to work in this frame together right now up until January 5th to get those two senators so that we can never use the Senate as an excuse as to why we're not doing the progressive policies most Americans want. In other words, remember, I want, I want everybody to listen to me here. This is very important. There are a lot within the establishment of both parties that will be happy to have that split government, Senate on one side, and, uh, and the Democrats running the presidency. Because in other words, our foreign policy is going to be, hey, okay, and we'll have a Senate that is going to financially support the plutocrats. They'll be happy with that. And they will be happy to say it's the Republicans' fault. They said for Obamacare, the reason we didn't get the public option, it was the Republicans' fault. The reason we didn't get single-payer, it was the Republicans' fault. Forgetting what's the name of that senator from uh, that really blocked it. I don't remember his name right now. Manchin? No, it's another one. The, the one from Connecticut, Senate. I believe, or, or one of those, those states. Well, I don't know, man. You know it's your issue. You know, yeah. I, healthcare I, backward and forward. But, right, I, but I, I forget who he is, but Okay. What we want is we want a Senate, a Democratic Senate, that now we have no excuses. Because let me tell you something, Daniel. If in these two years we don't come, we got people to come out to vote on both sides. They came out to vote. We know a group were voting on the wrong issues. We know that. From a mathematical perspective, we know that the, the other folks that won this election were on the right side of history. Now, we got people to vote that would never otherwise vote. You worked hard for that. Many, many activists out there were in the field working for that. If we don't deliver something tangible, those voters that voted for the first time, those young voters that put their hopes into everything you told them, Daniel, they won't be there, and we'll relapse into the same status quo crap. So what we got to do is get out there and fight like hell 
All hands in Georgia after this election is counted. Get those two senators. And at that point, we have to be in the skin of the establishments. Plural. Your thoughts? Oops. That, yeah, your thoughts, Daniel. Oh, sure. I mean, look, you've got squishy senators, uh, you know, within, within the Democratic Party, too, who you're going to have to have in-depth conversations about, uh, you know, and, and you're going to have to pass uh, policies that actually deliver on kitchen table issues, housing, um, making sure people actually have food in their fridge, making sure that people, uh, you know, have health care and stuff like that. You're going to have to make, th- make that stuff happen. And, yeah, you have to deliver tangible results. But it's bigger than just the Democratic Party. It's actually the entire country when it comes to that. Exactly. I, there are, there's other stuff that I don't know it precisely how you fix as well. And I want to I give you, like, an example of that. And I'd love it if the, the, the right-leaning the people who lean right on immigration in your audience, I'd love if they would just listen to me for like two minutes here, right? Like no less than that. I'll get off the soapbox, but look, the problem is that at some point our immigration system became militarized and here's why that's an issue. Okay. Because we have people who are in South America, Central America, Mexico, who are living under conditions that were created because of nasty foreign policy and coups that were executed by the CIA and by their friends and because of nasty trade deals that were passed by neoconservatives and neoliberals. The same people that y'all have been railing on, they were the ones that did all this stuff. And when you militarize the border, then what you've done is you've created a blockage from these people who are fleeing the conditions that were created by all of these folks in the first place. So now, instead of stamping their passport, they have to risk life and limb so that they can come across the border. And then what they do is come and work jobs in the United States, most of which are beneficial to the economy, some of which are things like going to the Northwest and picking strawberries and cherries and blueberries, which end up in Many of your refrigerators, if you have one of those, then it's, it's more than likely that you've had something from, say, Washington State or California that was picked by someone who had to sneak across the border. And we know, all of the corporations know that this is happening. They're encouraging it. They're just breaking labor law to make it happen. Instead, it would make a lot more sense if we could figure out a way that there is passage for laborers who are beneficial to the economy so that they do not have to risk their lives and we could stop screwing around with nasty foreign policy that has blowback and implications for workers on bo- both within our borders and also outside of our borders. And we could stop you know, using war and using one-sided trade deals as a cudgel. Trump told the president of Mexico that he had to use a national security force that he raised explicitly to fight the cartel to instead guard the border. So now the cartel gets to run rampant around Mexico. Well, what happens when the cartel runs rampant around uh, around Mexico? People leave and come north. And then what he proposed, what Trump proposed as a solution to this is to stick a wall there. Are we a nation of six-year-olds, my friend? We can come up with better solutions than these on all of the different issues. And these are the conversations that we should really be having. 
And the only people who are understanding these issues in Congress right now and putting forward solutions that actually make sense are the Justice Democrats and their few friends. And we know that they're the ones that understand it, and we know that they don't take smack. And the reason we know that is they're primarying powerful Democrats and kicking their asses to the curb. So there are people out there. There is a movement of populists out there. You won't find it in the Republican Party. You're going to find it in the Democratic Party. The only people who are fighting nasty, warlike, wealthy corporate types in all of American government are the left. They're the progressive branch. They are the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party, which they are still making progress, and they are, they are, they are, they are, they're swinging at leadership, and they're taking seats. You don't have that in the Republican Party. The uprising in the Republican Party is QAnoners. It's guys like Madison Cawthorn, who, uh, as an attack ad, hit his opponent for working with, quote-unquote, non-white people like Cory Booker. I mean, he's barely hiding this stuff. You know what this stuff means. You can see what they're trying to do. They're using the language of division to rip apart America because they don't care about the progress that comes out of the back end of this. But there's a smarter way to think about these issues. And the only people who are looking at the smarter way to think about these issues are, are the people in the progressive uprising. Please, my friends, do not buy into... So, uh, Madison Avenue fear campaign that somebody is making money off of, right? Because when you go and you pull a lever for their candidate, then they get to justify their extreme bottom line. They are making fools of you, or at least trying to. Think about these things a little bit deeper than what, you know, some guy who supposedly in your mind speaks his mind actually says. Because just because the guy's speaking his mind doesn't mean that he's telling the truth. I get why people actually like it when somebody comes out and says something coarse and rude, because we have people politely lying to us for years before that. But I also think that it is a very good thing that we yanked him out of the back of the White House with a cane. Again, he's a loser, okay? Drop-dead loser. That was a meltdown that we saw in that press conference. He just melted into a puddle in the middle of the stage. He knows he lost. You know he lost. Everyone knows he lost. The fact that they're spinning an alternate reality right now tells you that they know how badly he lost. They're going to try to take it to court? I don't think so. I don't think that the, even the far-right justices in this system want to betray the closet racists on behalf of a guy who, whose mind is so far all over the place that he can't come up with one sensible policy. None of it makes sense. It doesn't matter what you put on, what kind of shine you put on this. None of these policies have made sense over the last four years. He has no health care plan. His immigration plan makes no sense. It's completely backward. His tax plan just gave a bunch of money to wealthy people. He has no COVID plan whatsoever. We are in the middle of a pandemic. We have the evidence that says that it's obviously a, a real problem. We know that masks actually work. We know that his rallies spread the disease. I mean, wake up. Wake up and smell what's going on. We welcome people to come in and realize that a working class multiracial coalition based on ideas is the, the way forward, right? We welcome everyone in and then we let the ideas fight. And what you land on when you actually do that is the progressive ideals of, say, an AOC. They've, they've turned her into a boogeyman or boogeywoman, however you want to put it. 
But at the end of the day, look at her policy. She's actually talking about things that are good for people and put food on the table. It is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Let me let me cut in at all a, bit, a little sure. bit here real quick because you are on fire. And everybody uh, says you should be running for something. You know, I've told you that several times already. Um, then li- likewise, uh, Daniel Cohen speaks truth to power. Pamela Mattox. Uh, Bridge MCP, is Daniel running for something? He should. He should. I'm a proud, proud precinct chair. That's where we go. <laughs> He's a precinct chair. Absolutely, he is. Uh, and So, yeah, Daniel is on, Jesse O'Quinn. Daniel is on fire. He is absolutely correct. Uh, let me tell you something. And, and uh, I don't know how these, I don't know how otherwise intelligent people fall for the Q thing and all these misleading things that are saying. But I think having folks like you make that invitation because what happens is they make the left look as if we are out there burning things down we're we're destroying people's life what we're saying is come on in come on into the fold with your ideas this is how we can actually get solutions i love what you had to say daniel give me a closer because we got to move on with the rest of the program but man you are on fire and uh, i just love having you here that's why you're here all the time brother I appreciate you, Alberto. First of all, I appreciate you as a member of the Free and Independent Press. We need everything that you're doing. If you want to learn more about our organization, it's Indivisible Houston. That's what, like One Nation Indivisible. The Houston, like the fourth largest city in the United States, IndivisibleHouston.org. Join the movement. Do something. If you could do a little bit more right now, then now is the time to do it. If we can make sure that civic engagement and volunteerism is part of the fabric of the country that we have, then we can change the country for the better, no matter what you believe. And again, Y'all are licking your wounds because this guy got dragged out of the back of the White House with a cane. Look, we'll have the conversation. Just think a little bit deeper about it. Don't be listening to Q people and the forums and stuff like that. Look at what the progressive uprising is doing right now. These policies are actually putting food on the table. And, and we need to fight for those things. We want to make sure that people have a life of dignity. We want to make sure that everybody has housing. We want to make sure that the that people are not reaching into the pockets of the poor so that they can pay the wealthy. If that's the stuff that you believe in, that's the stuff that I believe in as it is. And there's going to be a movement forming to push back against all that stuff. It's happening now. Again, if you want to reach out, it's indivisiblehouston.org. I love you, Alberto. I appreciate you, man. Beforehand, how can they support your movement? I mean, you can get involved and volunteer. There's room for everybody out there. Donations are fine, of course. But, I mean, what I really would love to see is everybody doing their small part, whether that means talking to your neighbors, knocking on doors, and getting involved in the electoral side of things, whether that means protests, or if you're an artistic person, photography, videography, whatever it is, there's all kinds of ways for you to get involved. If you're not in Houston, there's other indivisible groups across the United States, and there's other groups across the United States, too. Love the work that DSA is doing. Love the work that our revolution is doing this is like brass tax support for people people who are wrongly incarcerated there's groups there that actually point it out for everybody that's ever had a don't tread on me sticker on the back of their truck you want to see the biggest treading look at what's going on in our prison system look at what's going on in our criminal justice system look at what's going on with policing in cities across the united states right now there's room for everybody in the movement there's going to be something that is going to light you on fire in a way that is going to make you want to get your hands dirty and make you want to work. So do it. Let's get involved. Let's volunteer. And if you're not in Houston and you just want to kick it around, just email us. Just send us an email through the website, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I think of things and how we can make for a better world. Let me tell you something, folks. Uh, I am much older than Brother Cohen here. And in politi- when we're talking politically about where we're going and all of that, 
I never feel right unless I go ahead and have a little conversation to, to kind of calibrate because these are the guys that are going to bring us to the next, bring us to the next level. These are the guys that we're leaving this country to. So is it, aren't these the guys that should be out there making a hell of a lot of these decisions and coming up with the ideas instead of all the old stuff that has gotten us where we are today? Brother Daniel J. Cohen, president of Indivisible Houston and likewise a great Houston activist. Love you, brother, and we'll talk. Love to you, man. Good to talk to you, Berta. All right, brother. Thank you so kindly for being here, sir. This is Alan Grayson. We all remember. Thank you, Madam Chairman. You may recall that a few weeks ago, President Obama came to this chamber and he addressed the chamber on health care before a joint session of the House and the Senate. During that session, I was privileged to be here and I saw my colleagues on the far side of the aisle, the Republicans, waving pieces of paper during his speech. And I was wondering what they were. I couldn't imagine. It almost seemed like they wanted President Obama's autograph. I just didn't get it. I heard from one of my colleagues that this is what they called the Republican health care plan. I went over after the speech was over. I picked up a copy that was lying down on the Republican side. And it turns out that the Republican's health care plan was a blank piece of paper. I inquired further, trying to find out exactly what the Republican's health care plan is. And it's my duty and pride tonight to be able to announce exactly what the Republicans plan to do for health care in America. It's this. Very simply, it's a very simple plan. The Republicans' health care plan for America, don't get sick. That's right, don't get sick. If you have insurance, don't get sick. If you don't have insurance, don't get sick. If you're sick, don't get sick. Just don't get sick. That's what the Republicans have in mind for you, America. That's the Republicans' health care plan. But I think that the Republicans understand that that plan isn't always going to work. It's not a foolproof plan. So the Republicans have a backup plan in case you do get sick. If you get sick in America, this is what the Republicans want you to do. If you get sick, America, the Republican health care plan is this. Die quickly. That's right. The Republicans want you to die quickly if you get sick. Now, the Democrats have a different plan. The Democrats say that if you have health insurance, we're going to make it better. If you don't have health insurance, we're going to provide it to you. If you can't afford health insurance, then we'll help you to afford health insurance. So America gets to decide. Do you want the Democratic plan or do you want the Republican plan? Remember, the Republican plan, don't get sick. And if you do get sick, die quickly. I am honored to have once again Congressman Alan Grayson. I probably should say former congressman. I mean, this guy served a long time in Congress for both uh, District uh, nine and District 8 when they redistricted, I believe. How are you doing this morning, Congressman Grayson? I'm doing fine. How are you? Well, let me tell you how fine I'm doing. I am doing fine that we won, but I am very upset by some of the connotations I'm hearing from many of our brothers and sisters in the Democratic Party, sort of on the moderate wing, trying to uh, trying to put the uh, put some blame on progressives for not having won their own elections while we all did well they're they're delusional uh, you know what they're complaining about literally 
is that the other side said bad things about them. <laughs> Welcome to the 21st century. Welcome to the 20th century. I think there was some of that in the 19th century as well, if I recall correctly. Um, it's ridiculous for them to be blaming progressives who want the party to actually stand for something and make people's lives better simply because the other side distorts that and turns it into something negative, which they're going to do anyway. You know, they treat Nancy Pelosi, who actually has pushed progressive policies for decades now, the same as Chuck Schumer, who really has not. Um, they, they simply want somebody to vilify. They want their buzz phrases and their catchwords like socialism and communism and socialized medicine. And they're going to do it anyway, no matter what you do. This is a lesson that I learned back in 2010. Um, they decided through uh, focus groups and poll testing that uh, a good attack against me in my district would be to say that I'd voted to increase the national debt limit. Uh, so they, they, bought, they brought in 80,000 door hangers that reached all the way to the ground from the door handle. Um, very, very large outsized door hangers. And uh, they tried to paper the district with the, the claim that I had voted twice to increase the national debt limit. Actually, I'd voted twice against it. But do you think that mattered to the Koch brothers? No. They, they had a good something they wanted to use. They, they are, they're not bound by truth or falsity the way that the rest of us are. They're going to say it anyway. I mean, the fact that they went ahead and said these things against the most right-wing of right-wing Democrats all around the country tells you all you need to know. They're going to say it whether it's true or not. And that's just the way it is. So it's foolish. It's nonsensical. Um, it's almost a non sequitur to blame progressives for the fact that right-wingers try to depict uh, right-wing Democrats as progressives when they're really not. It's amazing. And the thing that, I, that I've been saying, right, and I, I heard my, my young hero talk about it all the, all the time, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, where you have to go out there and talk to the people. I mean, the truth of the matter is all those right-wingers, those, those people that are right-wing followers, right? You and I know that they're, they're, entire, they're always voting against their own interests. My question is, why don't, don't these Democrats, instead of trying to ask progressives to be quiet, not going and engage their populace, not only those that support them, but those that they need to engage? I mean, you did a hell of a lot of that, including, including on the floor. You, you should ask people like that, if you ever want to show what they want to tell the voters, because as far as I can tell, what they want to tell the voters is nothing of any substance whatsoever. These right-wing Democrats don't actually want to do anything other than placate the other side and feign bipartisanship. Uh, that, that's their whole game plan. And that's not moving the country at all. I mean, the other side pushes, 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 pushes. Uh, for their uh, tax cuts for billionaires and, and their uh, corrupt Supreme Court justices and so on. And, and what people want on our side is for someone who's going to be fighting for us. They don't want somebody who's going to be placating the other side and whining about and reinforcing, by the way, the other side's attacks on our values. So what does a Spangenberg have to say when she actually meets her voters? What does she say? She says, she says well, basically, I'm Republican light. Well, I mean, if that's her sense of what she ought to be saying to the voters, that's fine. But don't pretend to be Democrat, much less scold those of us who do want to actually put the word progress 
back in the word of progressivism. I love that. I love that. You know what is so important about what that the Democrat from Virginia, the, the one who you just mentioned, had to say is um, she doesn't really realize that um, if, if a person has a choice between a light Republican and, a, and the real thing, they, would, they will choose the real thing. The thing about it is you are not there to try to be a light who you're not, but you're trying to be changing minds, progress. You just mentioned that earlier. What you're trying to do is be progressive. You know, I have a whole lot of folks that's, that call me this morning. Egberto, do you see what's happening on, on the, uh, with, with them accusing us of losing this election? And I, I don't know if you know these, if you, you, got, you looked up these numbers yet, um, Congressman, but check this out. I was looking at the numbers, and I have a lot of right-wing listeners as well as mostly progressives, but I have a good 30% that are right-wing that are in my skin all of the times. And interestingly, they were very sure of their victory. They were sure. And this wasn't bluster, and this was, look, these polls are wrong, and they, they had all these things. And then I started to analyze the numbers. And I realized one thing, had we not performed, and I'm talking about progressives, had we not had our protest to engage people, had we not done all these things, I see where their sureness lied. Because as it turns out, Congressman, Donald Trump is going to get north of 71, 71 million votes. That's over 10, about 10 million more votes than he got before. Hillary Clinton got 65 million votes. The increase in population does not attest for that increase that Donald Trump got. They were targeting their people in silence, much more so than we were. And if we uh, absent progressives, we would have been caught with our pants down. And I want your thoughts on that. Well, the other side tried for four years as they've tried for 50 years. Uh, to divide us and to demoralize us. And that's one thing that makes it even worse to see right-wingers in the party playing into their hands by trying to do exactly that, divide us and demoralize us. Uh, they, they wanted more than anything uh, to be able to peel off uh, Hispanics, peel off Blacks. Uh, they, they wanted more than anything to make us feel like it was pointless to participate in the system which was a lot of their messaging in 2016. Right. Uh, they identified voters, many of whom were African-American, so they tried to get them not to vote by saying that their vote was pointless. Uh, that's, that's part of their whole game plan, and it's progressives who fought back against that. Right. It's progressives who joined hands behind the, a candidate whom very few of them had supported um, in order to promote unity and to promote the common purpose. I mean, progressives above all understand that the greatest good for the greatest number is a very compelling argument. And that's why they did join hands behind Biden and why it's so much more, so much worse now uh, to see the other wing of the party coming out uh, with knives in hand. Does anybody really believe that the Republicans are going to stop running ads featuring AOC, a young Hispanic woman, uh, their perfect target? Uh, just because uh, she changes her mind about a particular issue? Uh, does anybody believe that they're going to stop running ads about her, given her demography, um, if she stops using the word socialist? It's just, it's foolish nonsense. But, I mean, to get back to, to your last question, 
Um, yes, the, we, we came out in droves. I, I, felt, I felt proud to be a Democrat, uh, to see the enormous increase uh, in our turnout and the fact that we were uh, completely unified. Uh, we've won seven out of the last eight elections in terms of the popular vote. Uh, the Republicans just basically chafe around the margins uh, without having anything that appeals to uh, broad masses any longer. I mean, how many people really get all excited about a tax cut that <laughs> Donald Trump writes for the benefit of Donald Trump, et cetera? Uh, you know, one can go on and on that way. So they only just stoke their paranoia and their racism um, in the hopes that they can hold on to what they've got, their so-called base. Um, it, it's, it's a hopeful sign for the future. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of work to do. We didn't take back the Senate. Um, Not yet. I think we'll try in the special elections in Georgia, but we didn't take back the Senate. And uh, the fact that, you know, we vastly outnumber the Republicans, given our current system, is not uh, generating uh, policy victories or electoral victories the way that it should. Well, you know, I mean, we have, I, I'm going to say this, uh, you're a congressperson. I don't think you should or could or would. But I, I think the Constitution has a, an aberration in it in that it allows uh, so few people to be able to take control of the policy in this country vis-a-vis. -vis. Why should North Dakota, uh, Nebraska or North Dakota have the same amount of senators as does uh, California? I think uh, if, I, I don't care what types of arguments anyone makes. I think that just proves that America really is not the democracy that we are trying to promote throughout the world as somebody from somewhere else who believes in democracy, who's always fought for democracy. Uh, when, I, when, when, when we have an overbearing, overbearing amount of folks that, uh, that come out in the right direction, it's great. You don't see the defects. But when you have polarization like we have now, those defects are blaring. And I want to know, how can we work on taking, you know, sort of mitigating that, given that it's unlikely we'll ever be able to change a constitution under these terms? Well, we're actually not that far away uh, from a major change, uh, the interstate compact I, that would I, require the states whom so, who sign on to vote for whoever has the greatest popular vote. Uh, that interstate compact could actually be the moral equivalent or even the legal equivalent of, of a, a constitutional amendment. And that one's not too far away from being approved. Uh, We'll see what happens with, with that, uh, but uh, only a handful more states prove that, then we'll have nationwide popular vote. Uh, you know what, Congressman, though? Uh, my concern, I agree with you, but my, my only concern there is, given we now have a 6-3 court, uh, who sometimes believe in state rights and sometimes does not believe in states' rights, what happens when that compact comes to realization? Uh, it, if it, it puts its policy into place, and then uh, the person who loses that election based on electoral college, the old way, what happens when they take that case to court? Well, that you're right. I mean, the, the, the most long lasting of all the horrific things that uh, Trump has done, other than the forced hysterectomies, which will be with us for the next 70 years or so, uh, the, 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 the worst and most permanent change that Trump has done is to have a right-wing takeover of the Supreme Court by right-wing ideological fanatics. Yes. 
and there is a need to unpack the court not not to pack the court but to unpack the court i love thank you thank you thank you you i mean i you know i remember when you went on the floor and you talk about republicans want you dead and let me tell you why i bring that up every time i talk to you because progressives need to learn how to message right and no, I'm sorry, not progressives. Yeah, progressives too, but Democrats in general need to learn how to message. And when you came out and said they want you dead, that's the outcome of what they are supporting. They want you dead. Now, when you come out and you say they're trying to unpack the court, you used it against them. They packed the court with a whole bunch of unqualified right-wing hacks. And you rightfully say we need to unpack the court. And since you don't remove somebody from the court, you can't remove somebody from the court except through some sort of impeachment, unpacking the court means normalizing numbers. Doesn't that, isn't that right? Right. And, you know, what we've seen is, is a 50-year plan flawlessly executed by the right wing. Uh, Justice Lewis Powell, just before he ascended to the Supreme Court, wrote a memo Powell laying Manifesto. out the strategy, which the Federal Society has instituted relentlessly, for the past half century to the point where now they've succeeded. Um, the, the fact that they've succeeded now makes it all the more urgent to fight back. And, uh, you know, the number of, of justices on the Supreme Court has fluctuated many times uh, for all sorts of reasons over the course of the past 200 plus years. Uh, there's no reason why it has to be fixed just because it serves Republican purposes to do so. Um, the the, the, there will be, you know, weak, weak people on our side who whine about it. Uh, but the fact is that um, there's been an injustice. It was right in our face four years ago and again this month. And the, the injustice has to be corrected. Now, um, I, before we go here, I want to ask two, two more important questions as far as, first of all, I believe uh, that we must or do our utmost best to win those two Senate seats in Georgia, assuming that we get there. Uh, shouldn't we really, number one, uh, one of the first things we do is get rid of the filibuster. Now it's in a polarized society. It's useless, in my opinion. And also unpack the court, as you say, immediately. Uh, because, again, we, uh, if we want to win 2022, we have to show some sort of progress. And if what we show is gridlock, 2022 could look just like 2010, in my opinion. Your thoughts on that? Um, at this point, I'm not overly optimistic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that if we do manage to win the Senate back, it'll be at that 50-50 margin. And at that point, it's very difficult as a practical matter to get anything done, even with the tiebreaker being a Democratic vice president. Um, the Senate is dysfunctional, has been dysfunctional for generations. Uh, that's not going to change anytime soon just because the Democrats are in charge. We did actually get a lot of useful things done in that nine-month period. Yes, we did. We had a filibuster-proof Senate. Um, after uh, our, our senator from Minnesota was, was sworn in and before um, Edward Kennedy died, died, yeah. Uh, that, that nine months when we had 60 votes in the Senate turned out to be the only real productive period the Senate's had for the past several generations. Um, you know, maybe we'll remove the filibuster. If we do, you're going to see a whole bunch of 51 to 50 votes in the Senate for a long time to come. I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not sure that the weak hands on our side are going to be willing to go along with that. 
So I'm not sure you can really accomplish that. Um, I feel sorry for them. You know, I, I, there, there were members of the House who had been there for 20 years or more, never passed a single bill, and had basically wasted their time and wasted their lives, most of their adult lives being in Congress. Um, you know, for me, it was always a thrill to get something passed. I did it 121 times in four years uh, through the House under Republicans. But there are many people who never did that. And the Senate's very much the same way. Um, they have a lot of hearings. They have plenty of votes. Nothing ever passes. Um, they're mostly votes on cloture. Uh, and they fail. So it, it's just a sad life. I feel sorry for them because some of them are good people uh, who have the right values, people like Sherrod Brown, for instance. And they never get to show what good they can do for ordinary people because the other side blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks. And that's, what, that's one of the reasons we got to get rid of filibuster. And that's one of the reasons we got to extricate those weak, weak, weak Democrats out. Anyway, uh, Congressman, why don't you tell me something that, you know, I didn't ask you, just tell me something you want to get out there in the ethos, please. I think that we were um, in danger of, of losing literally our souls um, the, the things that make us who we are and what we are. Uh, if we reach the point where it barely makes the news that you have forced hysterectomies um, and it passes through the news without really changing many votes that you have children in cages, um, when, when you reach the point where more than 100,000 Americans have died and it's not having really much effect on the, on the minds and the mindsets of, every, of, of the rest of America, uh, you're, you're dead inside. There's, you're not a functioning moral human being anymore in the Aristotelian sense. You know, Aristotle talked about what it makes to be a human being. Um, you're not there any longer. And that appears to be true of a large part of America today that, that, their, their moral spirit has been cauterized by four years of Donald Trump. Um, I hope they come out of it. I'm really happy and pleased that there are 70 plus million Americans who have uh, come out of it and can still understand the difference between right and wrong. Um, it's not a left and right choice anymore. It's a right and wrong choice. So I'm pleased in that regard. It, it turns out that you can't fool all the people all the time, only about 65 million of them. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there are those of us who will celebrate the fact that we could eke out a victory um, in a circumstance like this. Uh, maybe you'll see some far newspaper with the headline, how could 65 million Americans be so stupid twice? Um, twice. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that, that President Biden and Vice President Harris can uh, project the, the sanity, the, the, the proper morality, the concern for well-being, uh, and, and defeat the war against, of war against, of all against all spirit that Donald Trump had tried to create so successfully. Uh, in this country where we're simply bickering and fighting with each other with no way to advance and no way to even defend ourselves 
against a microorganism. Congressman Grayson, you you always try not to speak out against or on the electorate because, again, the electorates, the ones who bring you into power, that was profound. Uh, That was profound. The lack of humanity that we're seeing, seeing from quite a few boggles the mind. But I I hope that the change in tonality that we're going to get going forward is going to help change that. Look, it was my pleasure to have you on again. I hope that uh, you're going to, I don't know what you're doing back there in Florida now, but I hope you'll consider uh, heading into office again. We need people that are bold. We need people who are not scared of whatever is placed in front of them because that's the only way we're going to ultimately save our democracy. Thank you so kindly for having been a part of Politics Then Right. Uh, it's my pleasure. You know, there's an old saying, uh, even a dog knows when it's being kicked. I was waiting for uh, the ones being kicked this year to notice that they were being kicked. I guess some of them were too busy watching Fox News to even notice that. But, um, you know, uh, time is a teacher. And uh, we'll see what happens over time. Thank you for your very kind words. I would love to be back in public service again. And we'll see what time has in store for me. Thank you very much, Congressman. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Well, folks, that's the show for today. Don't forget, go to kpft.org and support us. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how we close out this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right.